Hey everybody, I am here with Seth, aka Dopley. How you doing? Pretty good. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing good. Uh, we've talked a couple times before about some of your work, uh, and I think now is definitely a, probably a better time because you had a bunch of cool stuff that you had done in the past, but you have something coming up that's pretty exciting as well. So uh, could you just kind of give everybody like a very short overview of um, what you do and some of the stuff that uh, they have seen that certainly I have uh, talked about on the podcast? Yeah, so um, I'm a game developer somehow. Uh, and, uh, before I started working on my latest project, which is RZ, a spiritual successor to the infamous, uh, <laughs> fantasy adventure games from the early, nah, it's, it's the Zelda CDI games. Uh, and I did a, um, fan remaster of those, uh, a few years back, um, is both sort of of a joke between friends and, uh, you know, it's practice to make a real game, I guess you could say. Uh, but I've just, I've been dabbling in game development for, geez, I don't know how long, uh, half my life at this point. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's sort of what I do, uh, for RZ, I'm like the programmer, uh, you know, designer, creator, uh, and I work with a lot of really cool people to make it happen. So was the, the remakes and I do, you know, just to, uh, to preface this, in this podcast, we're allowed to say the word Zelda. However, in your marketing materials, you are most certainly not. So, totally uh, understandable. Yeah, no, I, I'm getting used to uh, Yeah, I'm definitely getting used to that uh, because um, during PAX, uh, I had to explain to about a hundred different people what the CDI was and, uh, <laughs> and what the Zelda CDI games were. But a lot of people, uh, they were familiar with it, but still... Uh, I had, to get, I had to get good at that, I guess you could say. Yeah. Well, so was that actually your first full game then, technically? The remake of those Zeldas? The ones that are worth talking about, yes. <laughs> I, well, uh, I mean, you know, everybody's messed around with the, you know, their own version of, of Snake or something like that. I'm just pulling a stupid example out of my head. but No, you know, yeah, that's right. But an actual game that you could play to completion that was based on something. I mean, was that actually your first full completed game like that? Yeah, we'll we'll say yes, uh, because I had made smaller bite-sized projects like, you know, like Snake, but not always just like in Asteroids. Everybody does Asteroids when they're messing around. Uh, but um, yeah, I'd say it's the, the biggest scope game uh, that got sort of like attention, even though I didn't think it was going to get attention. But, you know. And, and what drew you to those games? Was it the power of the Philips Compact Disc Interactive Multimedia System, or is it... Uh... <laughs> I wish you hell was here to just pop up and make a comment for the moment. But I mean, honestly, what was it? Was it just something funny? Was it, you know, what kind of made you do that? So um, I was exposed to the Zelda CDI games the way a lot of other people were, which was uh, the memes, the videos in 2007 or so. Right. So that was like my first introduction to them. Uh, and it became a big thing between me and my friends on the Internet. Um. So the remasters themselves, you know, that that it had already been like ingrained as a as a meme with me for a long time. And around the time that I started working on them, I think Twilight Princess HD was about to come out. Mm. So we had the really funny idea of, well, what if what if we did that but for the Zelda CDI games or what if I did that? And I was and I you know, I started uh because I scope everything out 
exhaustively ask anyone I work with and I, you know, I, I plan and scope and I try to get everything like it's it is uh, marked down as possible. And I was like, I think, I, I think I might be able to do this, which if you're a game dev, you're already listening to this and you're going, Oh no, he doesn't know. He doesn't understand what he's in for <laughs> at that point. <laughs> it's not, yeah. it's never, it's never easy, but anyway, so I made like a proof of concept, uh, demo like uh based on that and uh you know because uh the i was actually going to do hotel mario first actually because i thought it would be an easier game but the assets of the zelda cdi games were more like available like they had already been the community had already sort of taken care of ripping all those assets and everything so that's what i chose so i made like a proof of concept demo and i realized very quickly it was going to be a lot of of work to do um but so but i tell you all this because the reason why i did it was because at first it was a joke right it's haha funny uh but then you know i had to do a lot more research and i i had sort of known because uh you you may or may not believe this but i'm a game history and retro game nerd uh probably a little self-explanatory there but um I had looked into it and there was a, this really amazing uh, interview series of interviews that um, hardcore gaming 101 did with Dale Desheron, the original like uh, director of the, of the CDI games and a lot of other really foreign of games of that era, like below the root for the Commodore 64 and stuff. And just, just learning the story behind them and why they turned out the way they did and like kind of, you know, they were, they were dealt a bad hand. They, they could only do what they, what they could. It was really inspiring. Uh, you know, I, I kind of knew like the context behind uh, why they were like so bad. And so I was like, well, okay. So you can make this silly project, but you can also like try to do what they were doing, but couldn't due to hardware limitations and everything out on budgets, time, all that other stuff. And it took me four years on and off because, you know, it was a side, it was a side thing. <laughs> I was, uh, I was in the mortgage industry for a really long time. Uh, and that was sort of my side gig was doing game development stuff. And, uh, yeah, so, um, I canceled the project at one point. I was like, well, this is too much work for something very stupid, but, um, <laughs> I picked it back up and, uh, and somehow finished it. And that's, that was sort of how, how it all it all went down that's pretty funny you know i remember those games from when i was a kid i remember hearing about them and i remember talking to my cousin thinking wow can you imagine like a live action zelda game like how good would that be like oh we need to figure out how to get a cdi and yeah i could only imagine because i was pretty driven i've always kind of been pretty driven so I had set my sights on getting like a Genesis and a Sega CD. So I, I mowed lawns in the ghetto for all summer, which is hard because <laughs> there's not much grass to mow, but yeah, I ghetto. figured it out. Chasing down people to get my money was actually harder than mowing the lawns, believe it or not. But, oh, uh, and I got those and I probably could have just gone balls to the wall and, and got a CDI, but uh, I'm so glad I didn't. That's a lot uh, of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money in the game that I would have wanted to play was of course the zelda games and voyeur because i was like 11 years old oh, yeah, of course of course I to see oh, any God. chance of nudity even even partial like you know a 10 or 11 come on well, the C- that's the, all you're thinking about yeah the cdi had you covered in spades then if that's what you're looking for because it's like seems to be a quarter of its library 
Yeah. So, uh, but it is interesting because it was a little bit too much ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, nowadays voice acting in a Zelda game is perfectly normal. So, but back then it was, uh, you know, something that's pretty, it was over the top and holy crap. It did not, did not execute it very well. But um, when you were remaking the games, I mean, obviously everything had to be done differently. You couldn't leave the crappy control scheme in there and all that i mean just why would anybody play it if it was was still unplayable basically uh were you thinking of trying to keep anything like true to the original or were you just trying to say no let's improve every aspect of it but keep like the original style look to it or you know what were you kind of thinking when you did all that so i definitely wanted to make sure that the overall design and feel was the same uh A lot of people were like, oh, you did this as like a preservation thing. No, (laughs) I I would I would like to think that I'm that forward thinking and uh, intelligent. But but no, Uh, but it it was it. I I mean, it was important that to me, the people who were by say the people who were going to play, I I, I literally thought a dozen of my very silly friends and not all the people on the Internet that did. But uh, I thought that the people who would play it, they deserved to at least if you played it on the CDI, the overall like, oh, the enemy placement, uh, like making the jumps, like all, all that stuff had to be the same. Like, but like you said, the physics obviously got a huge overhaul. I mean, so much so that there's an item in uh, Faces of Evil, which is like it allows you to traverse like giant jumps. It's like useless because the jump is so much better. So I had to like come up with different ways to like work around that. But um, it was very important to me that the games, like I said, if you were to play it on an actual CDI, you would be like, oh, okay. Like I, I, I understand like sort of the differences, I guess, like in how, why one way is one, one is the other. But yeah, the, the remasters are obviously on a totally you know, different like engine framework, everything. It's just try trying to keep those things faithful, but also like um, feeling better to play, I guess would be it. But even still, because I do keep the design faithful, you know, you're going to run into some questionable design things. You know, I, I try to smooth over some, some of those things, but uh, you know, it, it's not uh Zelda CDI enhanced it's Zelda CDI remastered as you remember it so Um, what engine did you use to do this did you use like a pre uh, pre pre-configured game engine yeah it's Game Maker Studio too Uh, I've been using Game Maker since I was 12 I guess so it's like I'm sort of ride or die for Game Maker at this point Uh, and uh, yeah I just um, and Game Maker is not going to be charging you per installation. No, for- they are not. <laughs> they are not going to be charging me per installation. Thank goodness. Oh, we have had a year of some of the dumbest product launch customer or company changes in yeah. the history of companies. That's that was definitely one. For the I feel. Books, I feel for all the all the devs using Unity. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. and a, a lot of people I know personally are using it for their projects. So it stinks it's really the worst part about that is it might actually have been an understandable idea and i'm not saying it was but it might have been and it might have just been that they explained it really badly 
And it, maybe it's still garbage, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it actually would have only affected a very small percentage of people who sell or companies who sell tons of games. But that's why you always have to choose the correct marketing person to market your product. It's another hilarious thing we've seen this year. So it's uh, yeah, it's that one. I just I felt bad for everybody that's getting hit with that. But it, I just also couldn't help laugh in like a sinister <laughs> like like when you see the hurricane coming towards you and or the tornado and you're just like i mean i gotta laugh because what else am i gonna do <laughs> yeah uh yeah it's i mean a rev share is one thing it would still not be great no but nobody wants like if game maker came out like in a month and was like yeah you're gonna have to give us revenue share i'm like well then we're switching engines you know but mm. it would still be easier to understand than all the other stuff but i, I won't go into the weeds on that right now no thank you <laughs> so after those were released um did you get any pushback from nintendo or anything like that i can't imagine that you would have because it's not like you're taking money away from their franchises or it's not like you're even selling it at that point either so uh yeah i couldn't imagine you getting much pushback from them they also want to forget that those ever existed so <laughs> no I've, I've never uh i've never heard anything from nintendo regarding the uh, CDR remasters uh, and they know who I am I'm a registered Nintendo developer so they they, they know who I am <laughs> but no it it's uh I, I, t- I took them down voluntarily because again um, I didn't really want go out to I didn't set out to make a um, really popular fan game basically uh, mm-hmm. I, I made a project for my dork friends and i uh who also think that that kind of thing is amusing and also to be like wow seth finished a project for once which you know if you're a creative (laughs) type it's like that's the best feeling in the world finishing like actually putting something out there and that was one of the big motivators for doing the games but no Mm. uh i i just uh i pulled them myself just because you know i was like well especially if i want to do you know real deal game development which kind of what i'm doing now i don't really want to have a have that out there i guess yeah um i mean they're obviously still available though you just yeah your web <laughs> so you're you're kind of got the uh you know you got the pass on that one i guess i guess uh, <laughs> but what did you what was the next project that you did after that uh so right right after um i finished the uh remaster fan remasters um i had sort of been kicking the idea around of doing like a zelda cdi like a spiritual successor like for a really long time Mm. like probably um oh i'm trying to think yeah it's been a really long time because a lot of the my aforementioned friends are helping me out on RZ. Uh, skipping ahead a little bit, spoiler. Uh, but there, a lot of them also were like, you know, hey, it would be funny, or it would be fun, not really funny, to, to work on a project like that. And I had sort of like thought about it for a long time, but especially during development of the remasters and everything else, I was just sort of like, okay. Um, but yeah, it was almost immediately after I finished uh, those games. Uh, I sort of... Um, I had been kicking the idea of doing, uh, you know, a spiritual se- uh, a spiritual successor around for a long time. My friends had encouraged me to sort of um, 
look into doing it because like it's a fun project that they also would want to work on. And I was like, okay. Uh, so like December of 2020, I started like making a design document and um, like, yeah, I was like, well, especially after like those games got as big as they were, I was like, okay, there's obviously people want more of this. I think maybe I actually don't know. Uh, but, um, but mostly just for me, I was like, all right, I'm going to make, I'm going to make this, I'm going to do this game. So um, I, I wrote the design doc in December of 2020. And then I think in that January, I announced that's what I was working on next. And that's sort of <laughs> where the next bit of the story comes from. But I'll, uh, we'll get to that. No, I mean, so you've, uh, so you've been focusing mostly on that for the past two and a half years. I thought that you did one other project in between there as well. Uh, no, I did a... Um, I did a randomizer mod for my Zelda CDI remaster. That's so, what I remember seeing pop up. That was okay, I knew I'd seen Doppley pop up at least one or two <laughs> other times since then. So it's uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was a weekend project. Uh, that wasn't too much. It, it's a really bad randomizer. And I apologize to all the, uh, the speed runners out there. Uh, I, I, I tried, but uh, I, I didn't want to devote a ton of dev time to it. Speed. I mean, it seems like a fun thing anyway. So. Yeah, speedrunners love those games uh, a lot, and uh, and I love speedrunning, so I guess it all sort of works out. Nice. Um, so where did you progress from there? You started the game, and did you go all in? Did you quit your job and say, "All right, that's it. I'm going to be the Zelda CDI guy from oh, now on"? Or, you know, how did this all go? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a what a curse! <laughs> quit my job to become the Zelda CDI guy. No, um, I feel like that's your hell's dream job. But continue. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I announced it, and um, a very nice Norwegian man appeared in my DMs uh, shortly thereafter. Um, which, uh, by the way, a lot of this stuff is crazy uh, because um, I'm familiar with you, Bob. I was familiar with Adi. I was familiar with. John, all these people, because I, I watched all of your content because I was a very big fan. I'm a big dork. So, um, as are we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, it, it's been very surreal in a, in a whole lot of, uh, whole lot of different ways. But uh, anyway, uh, Audie Sur, uh, Surly appeared in my DMs and was like, wow, you, I believe his exact words were, you madman. Uh, and, <laughs> and um you know and he sort of asked me like i because i publicly i i wanted i needed some writers right like because i write okay but Adi's a very good writer and so he was like you know i would like to help on this game like uh, that was the this was him pre-limited runs a long time ago mm -hmm. um and so i was like yeah okay sure and then we decided to have a discord call and I did not understand that um, this was going to become a pitch meeting. Uh, it sort of was sprung on me out of nowhere. Uh, but I, about midway through the call, I was like, is this a pitch meeting? And then he was like, yeah, congratulations. You did great. Uh, <laughs> but because um, I told him like what my goal for the project was, because I think he was scared. And I think a lot of people were scared that it was going to be a meme game, right? It's going to be a joke game. I think it was going to be something that like winked at the audience or sort of like, haha, look at what we're doing. And I made it very clear. I was like, no, uh, if I do this project right, which uh, this was again a long time ago. So I'm very happy I was able to do it right, so to speak. Um, 
the goal was we're going to make a third one of those games. Like if if Animation Magic lost the license to Zelda and they wanted to make another game in that style. And this was and it was released for the CDI two uh, that looked more like a Saturn game than that. The, this would be it. Like those are all like my sort of like design pillars. Like it has to be the same sort of sincere, um, somewhat cheesy writing. But you don't write for cheese. You just write it sincere and kind of goofy, and you kind of go from there. And you make it the same art style and stuff. And it'll be like a third one of those. And uh, yeah, he was totally on board. And then he was like, uh, I'm not going to do an audio, audio voice on the podcast, but I do in private, just like he does a voice for me. Uh, <laughs> he thinks I sound like a cowboy because I'm from Kentucky. So uh, even though I don't have like a huge accent, he's still like, hi, partner. Like every single time he like talks to me. So yeah, you uh, definitely but, don't sound like that. <laughs> no, but I do in his in his voice. Uh, but anyway, uh, he, he was. Um, he was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll, I'll write for you. I'll be your producer. You know, let's let's make this happen. So, you know, we reached out to. Well, I did a lot more development first. Uh, again, this was a side gig. I, I did not quit my job to become the Zelda CDI guy. This was a side <laughs> thing that I did for a long time. Uh, you know, I just kept prototyping, iterating. Uh, eventually got to a point where um, we were going to sit down with a publisher. And then Adi actually... Um, was between publishers and he gave me some uh, between jobs and he gave me some of his severance money. Uh, he would kill me if I didn't mention this. Uh, it seems to be yes. something that he loves. He, he loves to mention uh, in order to sort of finance a, a vertical slice, like um, like to pay for animation and actual like sort of like make the, make the slice kind of look sort of how ours that looks now. Mm-hmm. And um, we got it in front of a few publishers. It didn't go super well, but um uh, so I was going to go to Kickstarter at that point. Uh, so we were preparing for that. Um, and so I visited Limited Run uh, because that's, that was Adi's new job. He's able to get me a meeting with Josh. Um, and I was going to pitch just doing a physical version of the game uh, because, you know, Kickstarters have physical vi- versions. And you want somebody reputable to sort of like uh, handle that, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I pitched, I was doing that. And then Josh asked, why don't we just do this game? Because he saw he saw the um, the work in progress shopkeeper scene, which uh, maybe some someday, maybe someday other people will see because it's voiced by me and it looks really funny. But um, he saw that and he was like, oh, man, uh, <laughs> I think I think we want to do this game. And so, yeah, that's sort of how that all happened. Uh, and then I was like, okay, still didn't quit my job, uh, even though I really very much wanted to. It's still going to be a side thing. Uh, but I was lucky enough. This is a joke. I was lucky enough that in the summer I got laid off <laughs> from my other job. So uh, it became a um, sort of like, uh, okay, uh, well, I could look for an- another job. Or if, you know, this deal goes through that we're discussing. Um maybe I could make this my full-time career doing independent game development. And uh, yeah, that's what happened. Uh, I, so I, sort I feel of just like that's exactly it. the same moment as when you were like, Oh, okay. I think I could do these CDI remakes. <laughs> it shouldn't be too hard. I feel like, I feel like it's the same thing. As, uh... It's Yeah, no, that's, it's very accurate. 
yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's no big deal. Yeah. The only thing harder than trying to figure out how to run your own business and get yourself paid that way is dealing with everybody who has an opinion about that. That's uh, that's uh, very that's relatable. one where it's I'm um, mouthy in case you couldn't tell. Mm, it's real little, hard to keep my bit. mouth shut in those situations. <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, that's a that's a frustrating one. So I wish you all the luck with that because um you know, chasing your dreams is more hours than than any job you've ever worked before ever. And you, not even remotely close to what you would expect. You, you got that right. Warning to all who are interested. But no, I, I knew I would I knew I would regret it if I didn't at least try to sort of uh, go for it. You know, like, OK, yeah, you know, I, I am uh, I'm 30 years old. So um, yeah, it was uh, sort of like a moment where I was like, OK, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to go for this thing that I've always wanted to do. I have this opportunity. It's with a very silly project, very silly game, you know, and even if things somehow uh, don't work out a hundred percent the way that I want them to, I'll have at least uh, done chase to the dream. Like you said, for a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely worth it to me, both for that and the band stuff that I did. Cause <sighs> even though the first album came out sounding like the most expensive demo ever, it, it, came out yeah which how many people you know started bands wrote a bunch of songs and actually got to the point where they released an album and, and we're talking about touring and it's like one percent of anybody that's ever been in a band before you know so it's right. mostly people sitting around drinking smoking weed talking about being in a band which i like those things very much but those are separate <laughs> music is music those things are those things that they don't normally cross until afterwards so right. uh, yeah but Hey, uh, so where are you at now then? where What's the point that the game is in now? Um, are there demos out? What platforms? Like, let's talk about where the game is now because, you know, we got the backstory and I think people are probably going to be excited to see what this thing's all about. Yeah. Um, so as far as development goes, we are very, I say we, uh, I mean, it is we. It's, it's me doing all the nuts and bolts stuff and then uh, a bunch of artists and obviously Adi and John from Digital Foundry and a bunch of other collaborators sort of uh, helping out but we're almost done mm-hmm. um, right now we're just you know we're, we're, we're heading towards the finish line uh, I don't have a release date that I can uh, say at the moment but uh, I, I will say that it is one of those times where it is frustratingly close to being done you just have to, it seems like the end is in sight. You just got to keep running towards it to sort of like, uh, you know, tie everything mm. together. But it's coming out on uh, PC through Steam, um, Nintendo Switch, PS4, PS5, Xbox Series. So it's coming out on almost everything. Uh, yeah. That's very cool. Now, when you're talking about a game like this, that's, I guess, modeled after the 32-bit era, let's just say, right? Like the mm-hmm. Sega Saturn-esque PlayStation type of graphics. Right. Do you find any trouble porting it between these modern platforms? Or is it like the Switch version is going to run absolutely identical to the the other versions? Or, you know? Uh, I've had to do some work <laughs> to, to get some things working the way that I want um, on hmm. on some platforms or the other. I won't, I won't be specific. <laughs> Switch. But um, we all know, we all know. But the uh, no, uh, 
I chose to to get very technical and uh, nerdy for your uh, listeners. Uh, I chose yeah. a three sixty p base canvas rev- resolution, six forty by three sixty. Um, it's actually quite high res for a lot of pixel art games, technically. But I wanted to be able to sort of like, so the backgrounds are all hand painted, right? Just like the original games, they are all individually hand painted and then sort of like. Uh, squished down uh, for the resolution. Uh, it was important to me that there wasn't a uh, mishmash. I think people call that the pixel grid. We didn't want to have like high res 1080p backgrounds and then sprites on top, or at least I, I never want that. I hate that look. Um, so I wanted to make sure that that was like congruent. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty high res for this type of like pixel art game. Uh, but that's evenly integer scale to all major widescreen resolutions like 1080p, 4K, you know, 720p, which is perfect uh, for all the platforms that this is going to. Uh, but yeah, uh, no, um, it was Game Maker makes it very easy to sort of port around other platforms. You have to work around their quirks, but uh, if you're making a 2D pixel art game, Game Maker is pretty great for that it's very performant and it's very much based around like because i do like per pixel calculation for everything i do like run ahead per, and it's just it's really good for that so oh wow okay so that's very cool so 360 um i think this is a very dumb question but i'm gonna ask anyway uh <laughs> i'm assuming 360 at 60 frames per second oh yeah do you have like a crazy 120 frame per second mode <laughs> for the latest edition consoles or are you just sticking with the 60 and not messing around with silliness so um by the time i had thought about doing delta time and trust me again i've got john Lineman from digital foundry as a big part a good friend and collaborator so trust me when i say like all technical options have must be exhausted lest i feel his wrath no um (laughs) (laughs) uh, so delta time is what lets you uh decouple um uh, frame rate from uh, physics simulation mm-hmm. and timers and all that other stuff. And by the time I was deep in the project, uh, it was too late to sort of do that. I'd already chosen the um, base frame rate of 60 frames per second. So if I go over that or below, it'll run too fast or it'll run too slow if I change that at all. Uh, I did experiment with it a lot, but it, it had to be from scratch if I, wa- if I wanted to do like a high frame rate mode or something like that. So, mm. no, it's just it'll be three. Uh, it'll be appropriately HD on all platforms and uh, <laughs> uh, 60 frames per second. Very cool. So that's kind of funny, though. So if it's at 360, that means if you set your uh, if you hook up your switch to a, the upcoming RetroTINK 4K, you could drop Can't the wait. resolution back down to 360 and let that scale it up with the CRT filter. So it would actually look basically like this was a, a Sega Saturn game running on a, a, well, if you're using the Tink 4K, that means you're probably going to look like it's running on a BVM or something. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. That's, that's pretty funny. That's, uh, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, that's kind of how I play my CDI now is um, I, I am, uh, when it comes to scalers and uh, playing retro stuff, I'm what you might be called economical. Uh, I am very, uh, I, I was like, well, I want quality, but I'm also a very cheap person. So, um, <laughs> GBS control. 
No, no, not that, not that cheap. No, I use oh, it. I love it. I'm not saying that as an insult. You get that crappy GBS board. You put Rama's yeah. amazing software on it, and poof, you have yourself an awesome scaler. Very true. Um, very true. Um, no, I use um, for a very long time. I I use um, the RetroTink 2x uh, mm -hmm. to connect the uh, CDI because it's the easiest way for me to just sort of get in and out for uh, composite. Um, I do have a. So nothing wrong with that. Zero lag. So you're winning. You know, the only thing you could do is make it look a little bit better, but who for cares, right? At that point, as long as it's not destroying the experience with adding seven frames of lag or something, you're good right. to go. For for a long time, I um I used a European. I uh my first CDI that I bought, I bought it um right before I did the CDI remasters because I was like, well, I've always wanted one, so I'm just gonna go for it. So back then, I think I bought it in like 2015 or 2016 they are still expensive but not not what it is now uh so i imported one <laughs> from europe for like 150 dollars, and i did a region swap mod very easy one of my uh i just started getting into modding at that point uh, i'm much mm -hmm. better now but um back then it was it was pretty easy to sort of you know it's not true 60 hertz it's like 59 point oh it's not i don't even think it's 59 it's very if you were to look at it on a crt it looks kind of messed up but it's good enough and it was rgb out of um a cdi because you could just use the scart connector on the back for like yep it was just already already so uh i i did that for a long time but that cdi is dead now may it rest in peace so uh, i have a i have a 450 that a member of the community uh, offered to me uh, for a very good price. So I, t I took him up on that. And uh, yeah, I, I still need to do all a proper RGB mod, but just that kind of stuff is more time than I have now. <laughs> so it's, it'll, it's on the back burner. Yeah. I have a, I have a the clock. 450s have, uh, wait, do those have S video out or are those only composite out? Um, I believe it's only composite out, but guess what? This one's European too. So I'm just, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to do an RGB mod on it when I get the time. And I also have to do a, uh, well, the clock, uh, the, the timekeeper mods already been done on it. That's one oh, of the reasons why I wanted yeah. it. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because, uh, the other CDI, uh, that was, uh, not easy to do that on. Um, For anybody that, that's not sure what we're just talking about now, the timekeeper is a chip that keeps the time, except you would think that the chip and the battery are separate, but the battery is inside the chip. Mm -hmm. and yes, you could get replacement timekeepers, but they're all new old stock, which means their batteries are probably dead too. So you have to very carefully dremel off the top of this chip around the exact spot that the battery's in and then remove the battery and have that there. So yeah, it is as much of a nightmare as it sounds. Uh, I didn't even do mine. I had my friend Jose do it for me because <laughs> I'm smart enough to know I would screw that up. So I just paid him to do it. But yeah, yeah. it's whew. it also smells very bad when you do it because like the hot like a PCB chip after you Dremel, it's terrible. Yeah. I would not recommend anybody to do that mod. Uh, just send it to send it to the professionals. You know, that sounds like we need a homebrew solution. We need like a, a super cheap FPGA to just replace the timekeeper. And then we have a little battery module and just put it on a board with the same pinout so we could just drop our own in and make it easy to. And even if the battery's got to be smaller to compensate, at that point, whatever. If you got to swap a battery every year versus, you know, yeah, that's a. Uh, we should work on that CDI oh, yeah. community. Why haven't we done that yet? Well, there's already there's an ODE, so you might as well go to the next step and do all the, next, the rest of the stuff. So, 
Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to trying Fixel's ODE. And I have one of the big tank ones, like the one John holds his PVM up with. So it (laughs) definitely have enough room to fit the ODE and the original disc. So I could hear the disc spin on my original copy of Thunder in Paradise. But when I want to try out something awful, like Mutant Rampage Body Slam or something, I could just use the ODE. Awesome. Yeah. Um. All right, so we kind of jumped around, which I don't mind. I have ADHD, so I, I could follow. Hopefully, everybody listening isn't rolling their eyes like, here we go again, Bob. What are you going to talk about randomly next that doesn't fit? But uh, so we, uh, you're on all the major platforms. Um, you, you know, you're you're nearing completion, but you're not sure where yet. Did you end up doing some kind of pre-order system? Or are you going to have a pre-order? Or are you just going to launch the game when it comes out? Uh We'll have details about that closer it is to launch. I uh, can't really say that's anything cool. at the moment, but yeah. No, that's, I mean, that's totally understandable. You, you don't want to, you don't want to blow any surprises before <laughs> it's ready. So I get it. But um, are there any hidden jokes or any funny stuff in there? Is there like a shop where you could buy a timekeeper mod or is there like, you know, something very <laughs> stupid and CDI related that for us <laughs> hardcore fans or anything buried in there? Um. Yes. That's all I'll say. Awesome. Uh, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to spoil the surprise. But uh, you know, if there were anything that you maybe forgot to put in, I would say hold off on the one twenty frame per second mode oh and God. put in a couple of CDI jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I, we, I try not to go too reference heavy, both in the writing and and just otherwise. Uh, but you know, I know, I know what I know what kind of game I'm making, so got to indulge a little bit, right? Just a little, just a yeah. little bit. I always really appreciate those jokes too, where if you don't know what the joke is, uh, it still kind of fits the dialogue. So if you have no clue what they're talking about, you still might chuckle, but people who get what they're talking about will get a big chuckle out of it. Right. It's, you know, and then you chuckle even harder because you're like, I wonder who people who didn't get the joke think happened there. And, you know, yeah. I like it's, it's really hard to pull that off and very few people get it right. So uh you know hopefully I, i'm sure it's gonna be fine though it's you obviously get the scene and get your audience so i mean i also have audi so he sort of keeps me in line and uh if you know how he is then you'll know sort of how the uh, he and i have a very remarkably similar sense of humor uh so that helps uh tremendously and again we have a very like the way that scenes were written, like we we very much were like, oh yeah, no, no, no we get it. Like so we we both bounce off each other very well, but um, yeah. So you you have if if any of you out there uh, were concerned, don't worry. There's a community seal of quality uh, there to make sure everything is in line and up up to the um, quality standards that you uh, would expect. Yeah. Um, what's the expected completion time for a game like that? Or is that not something you you want to talk about yet until it's released? Like just total like development time, like how long it should take. No, like from a player point of view. Um, oh. I do want to talk more on the dev stuff, but because when you walk into okay. a game, it's it's really hard to see. Like you go to that website, how long does it take to complete? And <laughs> yeah. it's it gives you a sense. But like, I think the first time I played A Link to the Past, I probably spent, 25 30 hours on it i was a kid too mm-hmm. but you know the last time i played it even though it had been years since i played anything other than the main scene so i could do all my stupid comparison shots with you know past that i hadn't really played the game in years and i think i beat it in eight hours or something like that so it, you know is there is that the same kind of feel where it's a, a game that you could explore around so you know you might take a longer 
period of time? Was there a set thing that you, I mean, do you think about these things when you're making it or is it just <laughs> like, what's your thought? What's your thought on all that stuff? Uh, I, I think, I, I think every developer, especially nowadays, it's about all they think about is game length and being extremely nervous that it is either too short or too long. Um, and that's something that I talked with John a lot about because, you know, obviously he's like a proponent of like sort of shorter, more like manageable games and, or he's more about, um, you know, the game should be as long as it needs to be uh, and right. and not any longer. And I would say that sort of applies to Arzet. So this is the the way, just to get into the woods of the game a little bit, it's a action platformer, um, you know, like the, the whole um, the design philosophy was, let's take the general game loop of those original games and like make it as good as it can possibly be follow it to its most natural conclusion uh you know like because you collect items power-ups and stuff then you go back through levels you've unlocked and you kind of find new paths and stuff and then john just summarizes it with oh yeah like monster world and i was like well i guess so um i I get (laughs) like i didn't realize that's what i was making but then you know after real i was like huh or then a ton of people have been like, oh, Shantae. And I was like, well, yeah, but those are just Monster World games too, uh, sort of. Uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, uh, that's that's sort of, uh, as far as playtime length, that's kind of what you're looking at. Uh, especially with, um, I don't want to give an exact hour count. Uh, I know some, I'll toss oh, out. And I like, wouldn't ask for that anyway, but I just meant like, is this a game where you're, we're going to have to put a hundred hours in? To, no, you know, to it, you know, yeah. no, I, it, it depends on the player too, uh, which was great about demo in the game live was sort of seeing like player reactions and seeing if I had tuned the difficulty correctly, which it seems like I did, you know, like it's a lot of people were like, Oh, it's retro. And I was like, well, no, uh, there are no lives for one, so that's definitely not super super retro. But like you know, you will die a lot until you learn what you're doing, uh, and it checkpoints you between each room. So like you're sort of like figuring out the room and and the enemy placement and stuff, and you know you might die a little bit on the way because much like the original, you know, much like the Zelda CDI games, our set doesn't in the normal mode doesn't have health drops or health refills unless you get an item to do that. So, you know, you're sort of like trying to platform, make your way through avoiding enemies, killing enemies, you know, losing health on the way until you get to like the next area. So, you know, um, so I would say, you know, like the length of both of the original games combined was sort of the scope I was going for. Cause there's, you know, that a lot of cutscenes and, uh, you know, uh, several worlds, but just the sort of like, you know, all, all the artwork that we're doing for the game and all, like I said, the cutscenes and stuff, you know, there's only so much of that you can reasonably do. Right. And mm. even, even, uh, taking that out of account to me personally, those type of games that are like sort of exploration based and, you know, kind of like technically linear action platformers, even though, a lot of non-linear aspects uh i think they get old if they stretch on for too long like someone says oh this metroidvania is 20 hours i'm like oh god like i I prefer mine to be like maybe six hours long tops you know and i do my yearly super metroid runs it's about how long it takes me or five hours so but uh, no (laughs) like someone's like this metroidvania is 40 hours long and i'm like oh no 
that's too much. Yeah. It's way too much. So yeah, that's sort of where we're at. So I just tell people, you know, however long it took you to beat uh, the original games, just double that. And that's probably how long ours that will be for you. I am. Um, I agree that a game should be as long as it should be. And I, I have never, I've never said a game was too short in a negative way. I've said that like, Oh, I, I wish I wanted to keep playing. I wish the game didn't end, but mm-hmm. that's more like a movie that you don't want to end. But if that movie that was two and a half hours long was four and a half hours long, you'd be like, this movie's too freaking long. So it's, you know, <laughs> right. It's good leaving people wanting a little more, but mm-hmm. there was a, and I know people disagree with me when I say this, but I remember playing skyward sword and it was the first 3D Zelda I'd really sat and played since uh, Ocarina, which I never even beat that. Uh, and all you know, it was part of my childhood. Where I was starting to get old enough to to be paying attention to slightly different things at the time, anyway. But <laughs> I remember I liked Skyward Sword a lot until it hit a point where it was like, okay, now go back to every world again to collect something that has nothing to do with the plot of the game. Don't really even get power ups. It was a total fetch quest that was obviously put there just to make the game longer. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I wasting? Like I am an adult with shit to do. Why am I sitting here collecting orbs or whatever the hell it was? It's not even, there's nothing good even happening. And it was only like three hours tops to get all that done. Even if I was, you know, dying and just exploring a little bit myself, but it just annoyed me that absolutely annoyed me that stuff like that should be optional. Hey, if you want to, you know a glowing gold sword go through all of this stuff or you know an extra heart or something i i think that's really cool when people add that to their games but Mm -hmm. if you just want to get into the story and kind of explore and then beat the game that shouldn't be a requirement and uh so yeah yeah i i tried to there's a ton of uh side like side quests i guess you could call it i guess that's the new nomenclature but um there that you know there's a ton of optional stuff to do and i've crammed a lot of unlockables and you know like tried to make the replay value pretty high um and uh yeah i i don't want anybody to feel like they're playing skyward sword when they play my game i'll just say that i jokingly said i'd rather play my remasters than that game ever again uh at one point and it may have not been so much of a joke Oh no, yeah. <laughs> that game that game is okay. Uh but um it wasn't bad at all, but that that did piss me off a lot. <laughs> and uh luckily I was at the time I was working for a company and they had this thing where every morning at eight o'clock, we would uh, eight or eight thirty, we would have this meeting mm-hmm. and it would sometimes go to noon and I was needed for about seven to ten minutes of it, but I had to be on. <laughs> yeah. And if I dug deep into work then when they asked me my you know my turn i would have no idea what they were talking about so i played skyward sword every morning during those meetings because <laughs> i could kind of do all like the fetchy stuff and mm-hmm. and yeah so that's the only reason i was able to get through all that but wow yeah that, that was the dumbest waste of money ever <laughs> well the lead developer had a meltdown one day and i i had to mute from laughing because he was like what are we doing what is the point of this we get on the first hour is mitch talking about his back or his air conditioner or something anyway what the hell come on what are you? Oh, man, it was it was oh, God. glorious yeah absolutely glorious oh it's excellent but hey, if it wasn't for that job, there would be no retro RGB and I would have never started a band. So thank God for people who pay well for wasted time. Cause so much <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 
I guess as we're winding this down, is there anything you want people to know going into it? And an example that I'll use, and I'm not comparing the games at all, but when I first started to play Axiom Verge, I, you know, the first 20 minutes, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I don't even <laughs> like this. I'm dying all the time. I don't get to blast through anything, but I stuck with it. And all of a sudden I just, it clicked and I loved it. And I, I still, I played it. I think I've played it to completion twice and I've played the sequel. And I'm very much looking forward to the third when whatever Tom's done with it. Mm. But, um, but that the, so the advice I would give is if you know that you like a Metroidvania style game, just stick with Axiom Verge, give it at least an hour or two and you'll probably love it. But I understand how some people at first might be like, I die every five feet What the hell. Um, but do you have I, anything like that going into it? Or is it just if you like older, you know, games that are inspired by that era you, with a modern twist, you're probably going to be fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think Adi said it really well um, that and, and it totally applies to like my design philosophy for the game. You know, people would joke about the CDI, which, you know, fair, totally fair. But um, it sort of represented like the dream for like the, the next generation of video games we never really got, uh, you know, like multimedia interactive media, like uh, all the FMV stuff and, you know, you're a playable film, like all all these things that like sound really good, but they just could not execute well back then due to the technology they had. So that, you know, like, and it's very much like a blue sky, like, man, the possibilities, right? So, like, mm. I, I really wanted Arzette to sort of harken back to sort of that sort of, oh, uh, um, anything is possible, you know, uh, but, you know, we're, we're trying to get there. But, you know, using the limitations of the time, like how the cutscenes look the way that they look, right? Like, that's a, very much intentional. Uh, but, like, what if the gameplay was better? Like, what if the hardware was better? Um so if my advice would be uh, explore a lot, because the game it definitely is very encouraging uh, you to explore. Uh, um, you will be rewarded. Uh, and uh, yeah, just, just sort of, uh, I like the stick with it sort of example you gave, because it will be difficult, be very difficult for some people. Uh, I've tried to balance it for everybody. Uh, it's, it's nice when I see like, uh, people who play who are like very much like oh yeah no this is a this is a retro game i know what i'm doing and they sort of like go to town on it uh and then some uh, i've seen you know a lot of younger people i saw a lot of kids play the game when i demoed it yeah. last and that was for one very rewarding uh you know sort of a um oh very life uh fulfilling sort of moment like okay good like this is this is sort of what i wanted to go for but they're still getting it uh my wife she um doesn't really like 2d games very much <laughs> she's more of a, a pc gamer 3d sort of like uh likes more N not the older stuff but uh, i try to balance it so that even when she begrudgingly picks it up <laughs> and plays it she'll be like okay so i'm having a good time you know it's 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 hard but it's not impossible right like it's it's a good challenge. So I would just advise people, you know, like sort of try to pick up on the enemy patterns and placement. And, you know, it's not as hard as it seems. Again, once you go to the next area, you'll checkpoint. So it's like you're just slowly trying to inch forward and, and get to your goal or your item or whatever and just explore a lot.
Uh, that would be my overall advice as the game's designer, I guess. Okay. Well, I mean, that makes sense. And, you know, just, I guess, understand what you're, what game you're playing. You know, you're mm-hmm. not playing Call of Duty. No. <laughs> yeah. Which is nothing wrong with that game. <laughs> right. I just, you know, know what you're, you're exactly. getting into. Exactly. Kind of know what you're, kind of know what you're getting into. But I did try to make the game for everybody or not, and not everybody. A game for everybody is bad. Let me rephrase that. Mm. I made the game for me. Uh, I made it for somebody who was into um, the aesthetics and sort of like the gameplay idea of the original games, but like wanted an actual like good game. So, but I I wanted it for people who had no context of the uh, CDI games. You know, they just see like a hand painted action platformer with really nice pixel graphics and very silly cutscenes, and they can hopefully like get a lot out of it still. Um, So I think anybody who, likes more retro sort of throwbacky games like that but again um a lot of there wasn't like a conscious like decision because i see that a lot right like where people want to make like okay this is going to be retro this is going to be this way but that's kind of not like how i approached it i approached it more as of you know this this design is what it is you know these are like the limitations i want to try to adhere to um but i'm not like beholden to them uh, and i want to um sort of explore the best version of those limitations of this game and that's sort of the game that i i think i made awesome i gotta ask before we go did you ever consider putting like crt filters in as a video option uh hey guess what i'll comment (laughs) Okay. 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 My my only comment on that is uh, do it right or don't do it at all. It's really silly when I see these games that draw horizontal lines across the screen that don't even match the lines in which they're scaled from the original resolution. It's kind of it's kind of unless unless that's the joke in which fine, but no one's actually going to use it that way. All all I'll say is that um, I've seen a lot of comments on the internet that would that have said something to the effect of. I would like to be able to play this game in a mode to where it looks like I am playing on a Philips CDI. And to all that I have to say is knowing smile. That's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, this was very fun. I'm really looking forward to the game. I was looking forward to the game before this, but now after having this conversation, I'm really, really looking forward <laughs> to the game. Um, I will hopefully be buying a physical copy of it. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I guess we could, we had time for one more question here. Of course. Since this is something that you're probably going to be releasing a physical version of. I'm just assuming yes. based on the company you're going through. Mm-hmm. How are you planning the whole software update versus cartridge thing? Because in a perfect world, you know, in a world where we could all fly first class for the same price as coach, the physical copy would be the final version. But mm-hmm. how the hell are you going to do that? Because you can't do that. Then you would have to force everybody to buy it twice or not have physical on launch. So that's not possible. But, you know, how do you find the balance for that? So, and what I'm doing right now, I am trying very hard to make sure that the version that appears on the cartridge will be it. Uh, obviously, I can't legally and just, you know, for personal reasons, I just, I can't like, personally like guarantee that 100 percent, but that's what that is what i'm going for is i want um i want that version that ships on cartridge to be like the most complete that i possibly can get as far as release timing yeah i can't really speak on that 
that's sort of going into dangerous territory. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, uh, that's that's sort of how I've approached the whole thing. I want to I want to ship a uh, completed game that's like totally polished. Uh, I know that's like an impossibility. Trust me. Even with my last game, I was like, okay, this is or my, or the the remaster project. I was like, okay, this is like super good there's nothing wrong with it and then yeah i watched uh i've watched hundreds of people stream it at this point and then they come across something that they don't perceive as a bug but i see it and i just want to die so um i was like well (laughs) uh no it's probably going to need patches but no it's it's difficult to uh to want to to get to that um and my hope is that when you do uh put the cartridge in which you know i'm very happy that there's going to be a physical version because I've become very much a fan of physical media more and more. And I mean, how can I not? Again, I'm good friends with John. You can't hang around that guy without wanting to buy every game around you. Uh, on Put it on your shelf. But um, yeah, no, um, I'm super, super lucky and grateful and happy that I get to work with Limited Run and that they are going to do a really cool physical edition. Mm-hmm. Uh really cool physical editions. I uh, can't wait to talk more about that. Um, and that my hope is that the version that you get, no matter what, even if you get the digital version, it'll all be awesome. Ready to go. Great. Well, thank you very much for your time. I'm excited for this. Obviously we're going to be pimping it on retro RGB oh. as soon as uh, there's a release to it. It's, uh, it awesome. was going to happen before this interview anyway, but like I said, this is going to be even more fired up for it. So uh, I appreciate your time. Obviously, I'm going to have links to all of your stuff in the in the description. And we will definitely be following up after the game is released. So thank you very much, Seth. Awesome. Thank you for your time. I appreciate the interview.